Good day, everyone, and welcome to the fourth session of the African Workplace Insights podcast. Today, we have a fantastic topic that has been top of mind for everyone, some of our listeners, as well as our guests, Gen AI, Artificial Intelligence, and how that can really help us in Africa. With me today, I have my colleague, Isme, who is going to take us through this topic because I think she's well-versed to help us out. She recently published an article, which we're really going to dive deep on and listen to the insights from the article. Well, I don't want to hog the spotlight, so join me in inviting Isme on stage. Hi, Isme. How are you doing today? How is it there in South Africa? Good morning, Ollie. It's doing, I'm doing great today, and thanks for having me on the show or the podcast. South Africa is blue skies and sunny, and really looking forward to the summer period that's um, upon us. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And yes, for the for my for my listeners on the podcast who haven't had the privilege to meet Isme yet. Uh, by the way, she's my colleague. I don't know if I mentioned that already, but she's my colleague. <laughs> um, do you mind introducing yourself uh, to our listeners? Yes, definitely. So I'm Isme. I'm an associate director at BCG Platinian in our Johannesburg office. Maybe just a bit about myself. I studied computer science. I'm a mother, I'm married, and we call ourselves the Fantastic Four. So absolutely having a passion for tech and for my family is top of mind for me every single day. Love it, love it, love it. The Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four. So cool. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, well, we're also a family of four. Maybe I should che- I should stolen that name before now, but anyway, too late. Um <laughs> So Isma, you mentioned you studied computer science, right? And you have a passion for tech and also your family. Could you let us know how this, you know, love for technology started? Uh, what set you on this part uh, for many years now? If I look back at my career, I think, or at my life, actually, there's three defining moments that set me on my way in technology. The first one when, was when I was 11 years old. I remember the day when my dad brought home our, Commodore, our first Commodore 64. I was super excited and I recall days where I took a book that my brother had and typed in little computer programs just to see what the result would be. And what the inputs produced really was so rewarding. The second moment that really made a difference in my career choice was in high school. I had the opportunity to take computer studies and it was by far my favorite subject. I recall our grade 12 exam, two hours of practical coding. After 45 minutes, I compiled my program and it ran without errors and it felt like magic. The third defining moment, and this is really what sets all of these build up to this moment as well. I finished my degree in computer science and as the day that we had our graduation, I met up with an old friend. And he introduced me to the world of SAP and my first job. And this was a start of an amazing career. I have learned SAP, technology, digital, and it opened so many doors to me today. And I, if I had to choose again, I will choose exactly the same because I love what I do every single day. 
Oh my goodness, that is just beautiful. <laughs> that is just beautiful. I I need to have a career story like that. Uh, <laughs> I I love it. I I love it so much. I yeah, it's it's amazing. I I love the fact that you know your parents you know brought that on early on, and you have the chance to you know start building this passion at eleven years old, right? And also in secondary school, and kudos to the South African educational system, you know, for you know pushing you along that path. I I have never coded in my life. Uh, <laughs> I always find the thing a bit daunting, but you've inspired me a bit to take it up. Maybe I will go and type my first hello world very soon. I'm like, yes, I can code. Max Zuckerberg, here I come. <laughs> okay. Because it's just, yeah, do it. Okay. 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 I, I It's now on record um, for our listeners. I'm going to type hello world somehow, some way. <laughs> Great. Okay. So let's let's segue into the topic of this podcast, um, South Africa and artificial intelligence, the potential of AI and Gen AI. Before we get into the article that you recently published with your BCG colleagues, um, even though AI is already the buzzword out there and many people already have ideas on what it's about and if so, Gen AI, do you mind just giving us a bit of introduction to or like layman's terminology of you know AI and Gen AI as well, so that we can set set the stage? No, I think. AI is and generative AI is on the top of mind and tips of everybody's tongues at this moment. Now, AI is in the field of computer science, and it really helps and aims to create systems that perform tasks that we as humans normally can't perform as fast. It takes huge amounts of data and machine learning and decision making and really do creatively evolve rule-based systems to produce results. Now, generative AI is a subset of this. Now, the things that we know is DALI that produces the text-to-image or even ChatGPT that's the text-based AI. I just recently used Gen AI as well to generate a speech for my fourth grader to learn more about Siberian tigers. So it is really a tool, Gen AI, that can be used by layman's and people without technology to generate amazing results. That is actually cool to hear. Uh, yes, you have given me the, an idea for my cousins as well and the junior members and family. I'm going to use Gen AI to solve all their assignments uh, going forward. <laughs> There's no way. Maybe, um, <laughs> maybe just to interrupt there, I don't think, I think it's a way of working with Gen AI. It's not, we need to realize that it's not going to be the final answer. Mm -hmm. It's our first draft. And yes. then you work on that to actually refine it because it's still just a machine. We exactly. can help it get better. That's quite important. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's just a machine. It's just a machine. But currently the machine is the rave of the moment right now. Everybody wants to get on it. Everybody wants to use it. And if you're not using it, you have one of the left behind. You're like, are you living on that rock? What's, what's the idea behind it? So thank you for <laughs> setting the stage. And thank you for, you know, I mean, I'm sure my cousins will be really happy to hear that I won't use Gen AI to solve all their assignments. Well, sad for me. <laughs> well, thank you. So I think with this context already set, uh, as I mentioned, you recently worked on an article uh, entitled South Africa and Artificial Intelligence, the potential of AI and Gen AI across four sectors, and it's healthcare, education, financial inclusion, and agriculture. I read the article. It's fantastic, lovely, lots of insights. But for our listeners who haven't had the chance to read the article or even know the article was published, 
do you mind giving us a bit of a rundown on you know reason behind the article and um what you know are the salient points there like I mentioned, we, the digital unit in BCG, produced this article about AI and generative AI across the three areas, healthcare, education, financial inclusion. And I think, we, I think what was super exciting about this article is that we collaborated with Microsoft and Wits Business School to release this report. So really gathering the big minds and the big tech players within this world of generative AI and and trying to solve real-world problems in South Africa. Generative AI is, like I said before, extremely exciting. Although it's in its early stages, we really see it rapidly maturing, and it's going to be a transformative, transformative technology. It's highly disruptive. So there are so many new opportunities that's going to come about. So what we aimed with our article is to look at specific use cases to solve some of the most pressing issues in South Africa. And then we could have already we already highlighted some of the remarkable benefits that could emerge if we just decided to move in this direction and actually make it a reality. Love it. Um, I actually am very happy that you know this article you know worked collaboratively across all sectors. I mean. First, first of all, the partners on the article, Microsoft and also the business school, I'm sure they have, you know, huge amounts of insights to add. And the three, four areas that you highlighted are very important for, you know, Africa in terms of, I mean, education. Of course, this is a, the continent is more or less a super young continent, you know, and financial inclusion as well as healthcare. I think these three sectors are very key. Um, but I want you to actually now talk about the potential that you saw in this, you know, in these sectors, at least partnering generative AI to rationalize it. So what did the article sort of pick out and what specific examples do you think that, you know, if we add gen AI to these three, four sectors would revolutionize Africa? For me, I think I want to first start with your comment on how specific of the value for South Africa. If we look at the generative AI market or AI market currently, the majority of the innovation and new things are coming from global north. Very little is actually coming from global south. And we have a lot of pressing issues in the poorer countries in this world. And we near, really need to use this technology and bring the knowledge of global north into global south. So that is one of the reasons why we wanted to develop this so that we can start thinking about the opportunities in not just South Africa, but also the African continent. I think it's important to realize that AI is not a silver bullet and it's not going to solve everything for us, but we should really make an effort to really see what we can do in that regard. So if I look at the article and we, we deep dive into healthcare, there was a number of issues and obstacles that we found in the current healthcare in South Africa. I mean, there's not affordable, affordable medicine, not everybody has equal access to healthcare. And really there's sometimes staff that's not trained at the level that's required. So with AI, we can really use the technology to address some of these pressing issues in several ways. First of all, it can be a system that transcribes and summarizes consultations, and then it automatically updates the patient records. It's not paper-based anymore, and if a doctor wants to go back and actually see what was done in the previous consultation, he would have or she would have the access to those records. 
This will also help the claims of medical aids and, and funds to make sure that these consultations are paid. Exciting opportunity is the help with personalized medical treatment and its recommendations for patients specifically, using all the analysis from different data sets and taking into account what is actually available in the hospital and what I can prescribe for the patient. Two other areas that I feel is also very important is the first one is R&D. Now, I realize that every disease, and specifically if I can use a cancer example, each cancer example, each cancer diagnosis are actually unique. Now, the ability to bring all of this data together, helping with research and prescribing with a specific medication required for a cancer diagnosis is going to be super useful. And this is already done in various um, fields of, um, of this specific research and development. And then also, of course, it can help with education. It can generate regular updates for the patients and for the staff actually at hospitals to help them make better decisions. From an education point of view, we also see there is quite disparate education in South Africa. We have vast differences between our public schooling and private schooling. Some of our public schools suffer from teacher shortages. There's just not enough funds to actually get the right teachers, educate the teachers, and put them in all the communities where it's required. There's a recent study that was done in South Africa, and about 81% of fourth grade readers are not reading with comprehension. Well, this is quite shocking to us because reading is such an important part of your education. So what AI can help with in these areas are really to help generate curriculums and generate content that is tailored specifically for the needs of these young learners. And it's actually at all ages. And I think that is what is quite remarkable. You can create content for a fourth grader with a first grader understanding and have the ability to tailor it for my specific need. AI can also help the teachers with their classes and the preparation of the classes, actually saving time for them because they are doing so many things and it can actually help them um, to give better attention to the kids. It can be a conversational tutor and it can also, like in the medicine um, field, develop personalized plans for the students based on their weaknesses and strengths. A topic close to my heart is the financial inclusion side. And I think in Africa, we have seen this also um, as one of the big issues that everybody do not have access to equal financial benefits. So in a banking landscape in South Africa, we have seen these a number of constraints. So everybody does not have internet access and they don't have the ability to engage with, with consultants in banking to actually help them with their financial decisions. They also struggle with creditworthiness. There's not enough records for us to make, for banks to make the right decisions in order to give them the loans that they need. What AI can help with and what our report highlights is the ability to give access to more financial services to customers. It can communicate to them in their home languages and really help to reduce the cost of serving. And then that, of course, reduce the cost of um, the cost to the clients. The 
personalization of offers specific to my needs is also one of the key enablers for AI and also helping in improving financial literacy. I've seen many cases where products are sold to customers just to sell it and not actually that the person on the other side have an understanding of what they have just bought. AI can help bridge this gap and improve that financial literacy as well. From a, a productivity point of view, it can help with legal documentation, assisting and explaining in plain language what the terms and conditions are for our customers. The last area that we also looked in at in our report was agriculture. Now, agriculture is a rich, South Africa has got a rich farming community, and it's really one of the key and pivotal areas of our economy. AI can help on two areas that we have, a few areas, but I'm going to highlight just two to you. First of all, it's going to help farmers with the efficiency, really taking into account what are the predictions of weather and taking all of these factors from external factors into account and helping them determine what is the optimal time to plan, decide what they need to plant and how frequently they should actually apply pesticides. It can also help them to enhance crop monitoring and also help financial institutions with credit scoring by looking at weather patterns, by looking at what's happening with drones and IoT devices on the field so that they can then extend loans to the, to the farmers when needed. Think overall, we just see true benefits if AI is used responsibly within these sectors. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I paid so much attention to that so much because I mean, for me, I could just see beyond the examples that you just mentioned, vast possibilities. And I'm sure because of time, you only highlighted two, three per, per sector, but if we deep dive into all these, I'm sure there are so many things. What was more important for me is before now, I was seeing AI or in this case, Gen AI as sort of something that helps you to take away the mundane tasks, the day-to-day -day tasks. But I think from what you've described, AI can go all the way to a partner at this point to help you with either your business. I mean, in the case of education, trying to help to meet your consumers' needs, which are the kids, um, helping them with their lesson notes, helping to generate content for them, helping to advance the knowledge, and at the same time, even helping you to pay attention or more strategic tasks. I love the idea about agriculture. Uh, it really took my mind to a different level, helping to predict weather patterns and all that. I, in fact, what I know about agriculture is just the food at the end of the value chain. I'm like, oh, wow, this is good food. <laughs> I don't know so much beyond that, right? And I'm sure... Farmers who are, of course, large-scale farmers would love to, you know, see how they can put Gen AI to use in their day-to-day -day basis. I love the spread, really. We spent so much time talking. Yeah, do you want to say something? Do you want to make a comment on? Please go for it. I want to just add something in terms of, you know, we, we, I know we covered these four topics, but I think another topic for us, and that's really top of mind for everybody, is, you know, our social, our impact on the environment. Now, there's an amazing AI tool. Google has developed a number of them already. But one that really stood out for me was a prediction system on floods. Now, you know that we, uh, the, in the past few months or years, we've really had extreme weather conditions. And with AI, Google developed, with, uh, in collaboration with partners, actually a tool that helped predict floods seven days in advance. Oh, wow. So they've rolled it out to 20 countries 
um, last year, and this year rolled it out to 80 countries. The impact it had, it could, it could help people actually move and prepare for these floods so that they are not impacted as much as they would have been. It helped 450,000 people, 460 million people actually prepare for a flood better. Now that's impact. It's saving human lives and it's actually helping the most unfortunate people in this whole global warming. So that's another example of, I think, truly a good example of AI. It's it's amazing. It's really amazing. The flood part for me is is very pertinent. Um, I mean, Africa has their fair share of floods, and for coastal cities like Lagos, it's always a looming threat every raining season. You're just concerned about what's going to happen. And um, I imagine with such tools as this, uh, we are better prepared. And even those who make the decisions could, as you said, already predict. Uh, hey, we need to start. You're putting measures in place. I'd like to actually lift off from that, um, the idea of the decision makers. Uh, AI, artificial intelligence, to use the full word, really has, you know, been the worst word as we started, you know, people are using it left and center. But I really want to know, I mean, from your experience, you've had extensive experience in technology, analytics, and of course, AI, you know, how can generative AI help with data-driven decision making across the private sector now in South Africa? Right. You've already given an example, you know, on social impact side. And imagine that is more in line with what the public sector, the governments can do. Right. But now if you bring that to the private sector, at least this is the workplace insights podcast, how can generative AI help them in decision making? So for companies in the private sector, I really see that generative AI can have a meaningful and transformate and transforming if they use this data, they can transform their organization and really create a competitive advantage. They can really just transfer from being a digital starter to a digital leader. I mean, we see substantial um, changes and disruptive changes where they are changing old paper-based models into innovative customer engaging solutions and really helping to make the right decision at the right time. There are new ways of aggregating and selling analytics and information in powerful ways. And it really opens up new revenue streams and new markets. There's no question that generative AI can also help in productivity. It can really change the way that we use our people and help them to make actually for themselves a better career within our organizations. It's really virtually, I mean, in my opinion, it should be on top of mind of every CEO in Africa or in the world's agenda. Yes, yes, very correct, top of mind. Um, there is this quote that I think made the rounds a while back on social media, which is, um, I mean, as I guess we can get from this podcast, AI or artificial intelligence would not you know, replace your job, it, but the person using AI, you know, it's more place to do that. So, I mean, for, for CEOs across Africa and HRs, X and business leaders, I mean, AI is not your biggest threat. It's the competitors who is using AI that's your biggest threat, right? And I think, okay. as you mentioned, it's top of mind for everyone. It's top of mind for everyone. So now imagine, let's put, our, our, let's put ourselves now in the shoes of these, you know, CEOs who are you know, running businesses across the country, right? Who are now poised to take AI to the next level or at least 
make it as a, make it a partner in their business. So how would you, or what would you recommend are the resources or strategic steps that, you know, CEOs who want to enable AI innovation in their workplace take for them to, you know, take this, for them to move their company to the next level? For me, and like I mentioned before, is generative AI can really be this competitive advantage. But the company that cracks the code to adopting this within the organization is going to make the biggest difference. When we talk about new digital transformation or any new emerging technology, the tech part and the data part is the easy part. Majority, like 70% of the effort should go into change management and our people. So adopting these new solutions and not falling back to our old ways of working is really going to make the difference between the digital starter and the digital leader. Four things that I believe that CEOs need to look at when they embark on this, and it's not um, the only four things, but I think these four is really at top of mind for me right now. First of all, understanding that you need a data strategy. In our experience, not all companies actually have the right data and tech capabilities to embark on this exciting journey. In order for organizations to really differentiate yourself, you need to move to be a digital leader, develop these data and tech capabilities within your organization iteratively, all the time, and adapting as you go. In the same time, when you develop something, it has to deliver business value. You can't just deliver tech for tech. It has to be business and tech closely together. With generative AI, and this is my second takeaway, I think it's very important that ways of working will be changing. We have to change our mindset. And I think I mentioned this to you earlier is, although I've asked generative AI to generate my fourth grader's speech, I can't just use it and give it to him because the words are not necessarily always making sense. So with generative AI, we need to take this, that as the first draft and rework it and learn and make it better so that it evolves to a part that we can actually take on to the next level. Skills in Africa and worldwide is the third topic that's really going to be top of mind and key to the success of this. We need to think about what capabilities do we need in organizations? What is our hiring strategy going to be? And how will we train our people effectively? And it's not just training our digital developers, but it's actually training people at all, leader, at all levels our leaders so that they drive the change and actually show the adoption, our managers on how to manage these digital and AI projects, our developers or our engineers, how to use the new technology and keeping them, their skills always up to date. And then, of course, the users of these technologies. How do I use it to actually make my life better? I think the fourth and last one that I would like to highlight is the the ability to experiment and test. We do, I mean, with AI, we know what goes in and we know what comes out. But it's usually this black box in the middle and this is where we don't know what's happening. So we don't know what's going to be predicted. We have no idea what's going to, be, the outcome's going to be. So we, the only way in order to build trust in this is to experiment and test and learn from what we have seen. 
So it's going to depend on the organization's ability to learn and change faster based on the input that they have given into the AI systems. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think um, African Workplace Insights is going to work on those four things first. <laughs> I mean, I love the way you put it and hopefully I'm getting it right if I recap to say the first one is a data strategy. Uh, the other is you know, ways of working. The third one are the skills, which of course are very much needed. And the final one is that idea of being, of experimenting and immediately adapting such results to your organizational growth. I love what you said about, you know, AI not being used for and in itself. It has to be tied to business value because essentially that's the reason why we're here. Business has to remain a going concern. So an AI should not be like a, a piece on the wall that, yes, going forward, we're going to be using AI in organization. We're going to be doing all that. And it's a nice beginning of the year work plan and just stays that way. You have to find a way to tie it to the bottom line. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure CEOs would have these four things, as you've mentioned, they're not just the only four things, but this initial four things as a way to go forward in, you know, enabling the organizational growth with artificial intelligence. I think we've been ha we're having a fantastic time so far and, and you know how the time has, you know, sort of flown by. They say it flies when you're having fun. And I also want to add that it flies when you're learning so much because I've learned quite a bit, you know. Um, but I really want to ask you, and this time deviating from, you know, the article, I think a question which is top of mind for me and I imagine for you as well, uh, because you've mentioned quite a bit education, skills gap. I mean, we, we know as, I mean, when it comes to skills, uh, I imagine that Africa is still very much lagging behind, you know, in the rest of the world. We're picking up fast, but there's still a little bit of lag behind. And even more so in women in STEM. Um, I have quite a number of uh, female cousins, you know, and, I, and I'm sure many people have, as it's on this podcast, um, women in their life that they want to encourage to go down this part of STEM as your dad did bringing back home the Commodore computer, which I think I've never heard about in my life. Please forgive me. <laughs> You know, but I really want to ask your opinion. I mean, what advice would you give to young women in Africa who are considering a career in STEM? And what can society do to encourage these potential interests? You touch a subject very close to my heart. I'm very passionate of really bringing more women into this exciting and rewarding field of technology. I think the first thing that comes to mind is to say, I was not afraid. I was not afraid to be the only girl in my computer studies class. I was not afraid to get on a plane at the age of 22, fly to Australia to go and train some mine workers in Australia. And I was also not afraid to change, change careers, to explore new opportunities, to fast track my career. Very often we see that women are maybe more scared to embark on this. And I think that is one thing that we need to build in our females and women in, in Africa and everywhere is the confidence that you can do this. It's not a world just for men. When I think the second thing is to realize that technology is more than just coding. When you talk to girls, they think the only thing they're going to do when they write or study computer science is that they have to become a hacker and that they have to code. And there's so much more to this field than that. I think 
one of the key things that I feel we need to do is already at grassroots levels, educate our girls of what the career paths are in technology. I can become a data scientist. I can be a data engineer. I can be, there are so many options within this career that you don't need to be just a computer coder. I think the third thing that really I feel is very important for us is mentorship. Now, one of my friends said to me one day, Esme, you have it all. You love your career. Your husband adores you. And you have kids that mean the world to you. And that's true. So I have to say, I have an amazing support system. Parents that supported me in my love and future vision. And also mentors that has brought me up and guided me through my journey. Now I realize I'm extremely fortunate. But what I can be. And I think that's the call to every woman out there and men as well, because my mentors has been my mom and my dad and senior men in tech fields that really helped me on this journey. But what I can be for the younger generation, I need to set the example and I need to show them. So that mentorship is also for me extremely important in order to be successful and how we can bring in more women is to show that example. And I think lastly is don't give up on your dream. Don't give up. I think everything is possible. Everything is possible. Even starting the new podcast called African Workplace Insights. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Ismay. Um, Thank you so much. I, I think these four points are very pertinent. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to launch out, to embark on the journey. Um, of course, the world of possibility awaits is not just what you know. I mean, once you start, you'll find along the along the way several avenues, several places that you can branch out and you may just love it. And the other one, I think, of course, jump into the fourth one that you mentioned, mentorship. I think it's super, super important. I want to mention, and I'm sure I'm speaking for international people, you just been on this podcast, you know, I'm sure it's going to have a wide ranging reach. Many people are like, oh, wow, I heard a podcast of a lady in tech <laughs> and she's doing such an amazing stuff and I want to be like her. So thank you for, you know, inspiring the rest of the next generation, you know, on this podcast and also for the, the work that you do. This is, this is great. I've really enjoyed my, my time here and I hope our listeners as well have. Um, and I want us to, you know, begin to wrap up, but as I always say on my podcast, I don't want to be the only one asking all the questions. So towards the end of the podcast, you're going to have a chance to ask me one caveat easy question very easy <laughs> but please very easy if not i'm gonna just end the podcast <laughs> like okay listeners we're done but before we get into that you know i want us to just go rapid fire on some four questions right rapid fire quick answers uh, so the first one is what books would you recommend people to I mean, read more about this topic of course the article you publish is of course number one <laughs> What other texts would you recommend for people to go out there and learn about AI? I think the book that I would like to recommend is more related to the journey I've had. And it's the book, The Alchemist, from Paolo Coelho. And it just goes about, I mean, the storyline is about living the pursuit of your dream. Don't ever give up. And I think that to me was one of the inspirational, lovely reads I've had in recent years. Okay, good. I think I heard that before. I think I've heard that on a previous podcast episode. Okay, this book is coming up again. Fantastic. And um, the next question is, 
what do you think should be a podcast topic? Uh, if you were to recommend another podcast topic, what would it be? So how do we help women build their business networks? It's much how harder we... okay. for women, okay. especially in tech, to build that network. How do we help mm. each other? How do we help women to build a business network? Okay, we have noted that. And our listeners, I'm sure, are waiting for that episode. We would find someone to do justice to that. Uh, the third one is, if you were to visit a place outside of your home country in Africa, where would it be and why? Okay, this is an easy question. <laughs> my next destination, I want to go to one of the Greek Isles. And I, my preferred spot is Santorini. And what do I want to do? I want mm -hmm. to start the morning at Parisha Beach and watch the sun rise and travel across the island to Oya to see the sunset. That to me must be one of the most spectacular days that I want to um, experience in the next few years. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Are you sure you can just like code that on the computer, you yeah. know, like gen AI <laughs> generates a video, you know, just like just like see it. Okay, well, cool. Okay, cool. Now, the final rapid question is, where can people go to learn more about Isme? So I'm quite active on LinkedIn and I keep my LinkedIn um, page quite updated. So my call to the listeners is please reach, please reach out, connect with okay. me, build that network, because I think that is what takes us to the next level as well. Fantastic. It takes us to the next level. And the next level for this podcast is for you to ask the host, as we said before, one easy question <laughs> like what is two plus two four <laughs> it's kind of easy so, questions but yeah let's I hear like it so let me ask this so if your parents had to describe what you do what would they say oh my goodness okay cool i think they would just shagun talks a lot <laughs> shagun talks a lot i think that's exactly what they'll say uh my mom uh well she's she's late now but she will say shagun talks a lot she calls me shagun uh, she said, Jagun talks a lot. Uh, then actually, this is a, this is a hard one because I actually ha really haven't had the time to talk to my parents about what I do. Um, I feel so bad. <laughs> Maybe if I use my, my senior brother, uh, his name is also Olu. Uh, Olumide is his name. Uh, big shout out to Olumide, by the way, he's you know, always a support. Um, Olumide would say that he works in this large multinational company somewhere in Lagos, you know, and he's trying to get people to join his company aside from that he talks a lot <laughs> i think everybody will agree on that fact <laughs> as jago talks a lot but yeah I, I think that's what i'm going to say but this question i mean has got me thinking i need to go back and some of my family members you know a bit more of what i do uh my friends i think i already know but my family needs to know a bit more of what i do and maybe i'll get them to join this podcast one day and to be like a tell all episode <laughs> anyway sharing exactly exactly and i will just have to be like okay guys uh you can see everything you want about me now but just know that i have the power of editing later so i'll cut all the bad parts <laughs> out <laughs> i'll keep the good ones anyway it's maybe we've come to the end of this podcast i thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with you but i really don't want us to end like that do you have and this is going going off script but do you have a final word for our listeners i think that We've, we've learned so much today about Gen AI, artificial intelligence, the impact it can have, you know, across several sectors in Africa, what CEOs can do to take us to the next step. 
particularly closer to me at the examples that you gave and the topics that you mentioned around you know your journey and inspiring international women leaders in STEM. But hey, I want you to give the closing remarks uh, on this podcast because I think it's just apt for the conversation that we've had so far. So what do you want to leave our listeners with? Don't wait. Start immediately. And I think it on both counts. If it's with data and generative AI, don't be the one that's not going to be the leader. Be the leader. And take that same control of your career or your destination in the future of technology. Do not hesitate. Take that next step today. Take that next step. Do not wait. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I think that is great because sometimes you always just typically wait for the next time when it gets better. But no, there is no better time than right now. So to our listeners, you've heard it here first from Ismay. Do not wait. Take that next step. And the next step should lead you to like, subscribe, and share this episode. <laughs> I just had to do that. And we're going to have another session of African Workplace Insights soon. So until then, thank you so very much for myself and Ismay. Thank you for listening and do have a fantastic rest of your day. All the very best.